Hello and welcome to the Double Double. My name is David Dixon and it is Friday, June 4th here in New York City. A little afternoon recording for the podcast. We got a lot going on today. Uh, waiting to see, you know, because Wednesday was so eventful. Wanted to get any last minute injury news, NBA related news, uh, any just wait to see if anything crazy happened where we got a little uh, later record dates early afternoon here on the East Coast. Uh, big NBA night last night. Two, one really good game, one shocking game. Uh, and we're going to jump right into it because it's the biggest story of the day. LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers eliminated out of the playoffs Eliminated by the Phoenix Suns last night. Phoenix won game six in L.A. I was on the record saying I thought Los Angeles would win and that I wasn't going to bet against LeBron James until until he had lost the series, until he had lost a first-round series where he was 14-0 and in his career in first-round series. I wasn't going to bet against him. I wasn't going to pick against him until I could see that he could actually lose. And, Look, give all credit to Phoenix. Phoenix came out. They were not afraid of the moment. They hit 10 three-pointers in the first quarter. was up 36 to like 14, 35-14. Absolute domination from the jump. They were ready to go. They said, this is our moment. This is our time. We are, we are ready. And you just can't overstate the importance that just one Chris Paul has had on this team. The type of veteran leadership, a guy who's been there before, played in so many big games. Number two, you could also throw in Jay Crowder there. Just a guy who's not afraid of, of of the moment, can shoot the long ball, been in so many battles, not intimidated by LeBron. Three, coaching staff continuity. Even though they were disappointing last year, Monty Williams getting another shot at with this group was huge. Uh, just because so much, you know, coaches in professional sports get blamed so many times where... It's not always their fault. It's not always the coach's uh, responsibility when things don't always go according to plan or, or there's some just type of disappointing season or uh, game or elimination. And then the continuity that from, from the coaching staff to the bubble where they they went 8-0 in the bubble and you could write off those games as, okay, didn't have the same type of uh, – they had more urgency than other teams did because they knew what it would take for them to even make the plan, which that they basically had to go 8-0, and which they did. They weren't like the Lakers or the Clippers or the Bucks, one of the teams that came in as a favorite who said, okay, we know we're in the playoffs. We got to use these eight games to get us ready, get us in shape. But whether we go 8-0 and or 5-3 and doesn't really matter to, to them as much as about getting them in, in you're just getting those teams right before the playoffs. The Suns didn't have that luxury. They came out eight straight wins in the bubble. Booker was awesome. Aiton showed growth. Cam Johnson, you know, the the whole roster was 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 playing really, really well. And they were able to take that and really build off that with good offseason acquisitions to really help this team. I mentioned the, the coaching continuity and uh they were awesome, you know, all credit to Phoenix because they battle in the series. You know, they, they win game one, Chris Paul gets hurt, lose game two, lose game three, where it looked like the Lakers and LeBron were kind of clowning them, and it looked like, okay, the Lakers have this firmly in the bag. And they went out and they win, they win game four, they crush in game five by 30, and they dominate that game last night. 
And you, you, I mean, you could tell the story of this series with Anthony Davis's injury without taking anything away from Phoenix because they went out and they won this series and they deserve to win this series. Since when Anthony Davis went down with his groin injury about midway through game four, Phoenix outscored the Lakers by 50 points. From from that moment on, Phoenix outscored the Lakers by 50 points. And so you could just, you know, 50 points is an insane, insane number. And Anthony Davis is the most crucial cog for the Lakers. I've, I've talked about it many times this this past week and before on, on previous podcasts. He's the key to if the Lakers were going to three-peat, if the Lakers were going to win another championship, get back to the finals, is, is his health. It is his health because you know LeBron will be out there. You know LeBron will play, and you know he's going to play well. It's it's all on Davis and and his health because he's just, he's just a guy who's had, who has dealt with these types of strains and sprains on all different body parts. And, uh, you know, he, he, he has said that this groin injury was caused by a hyperextended knee. Well, if it wasn't the groin, it's a knee, it's an ankle. It's It feels like it's always something with Davis. So just in the long run, finding ways to keep him healthy and LeBron healthy as well as he's getting older, managing his minutes better in, in the regular season will just be key for the Lakers going forward because they don't have the luxury of a guy like Phoenix has in Devin Booker in a 23, 24-year-old superstar who can come out and get you 47 on 8 of 10 from the three-point line, which Booker was lights out. He was incredible. You know, he 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 understood that Luca's doing his thing, right? Luca's doing his thing and knocking and all, all on the verge of knocking out that LA team. Booker wants to be an all-star. He wants to take that next step in his career and, and get to that next level of NBA stardom. He's got to show up in the playoffs. And he said, okay, I hear what everyone's saying that I'm not a superstar. I'm a good stats, bad team guy. And he just, and he said, okay, I'm going to score 47 and knock out the defending champions. And I'm going to shoot Really efficiently, shot 15 for 22, 8 for 10 from the line. Sorry, 8 eight for 10 from 3, 9 of 9 from the line. Grabbed 11 rebounds as well. Guy's a stud. Guy's a star. And you can tell where certain guys are in the league by how the his peers tweet about him. You know, not everyone is, gets the tweets from superstar Kevin Durant saying incredible things about them, saying book is on fire or uh different guys you know i saw duran i think i think harden tweeted as well just you know look at how the the the, their peers treat them and you can tell you can tell where guys stand and booker has a lot of respect from his peers around the league going forward phoenix phoenix has a chance to advance they will most likely play Sorry, they're not most likely. They they will play the Denver Nuggets in the next round because we're going to talk about that in a second because the Nuggets advanced last night as well. They they have a chance. One, they're a higher seed. Two, their guards are better. You know, it's the same thing of who can stop Nikola Jokic that Portland sh- struggled with, but Aiton Aiton played really really well again. Uh just he just he just. Does he knows what his role is, and so his role against Denver will be protecting the rim and just making it difficult on Jokic because Jokic is going to get his thirty. 
but just making it difficult and not committing too many uh, too many bad fouls. But the Lakers going forward have a lot, a lot, a lot of questions because one, LeBron is going into year 19 in the NBA, which is just crazy to think about. But LeBron's going and in going into year 19. Davis, you need him healthy. But you look at the rest of the roster. You know who who are their two or th- who are their two or three big acquisitions th- th- this past season? Well, it was Dennis Schroeder, who had zero points in Game Five, and I thought was I thought he was competed really well on defense in Game Six, but he was up and down all year. And and same in same in the playoffs, you'd like to see more consistency out of that, especially from a starter. I think Schroeder is an incredible off the bench guy, uh, but probably want a little more consistency from a starter. They got Montrez Harrell, who was the reigning sixth man of the year in 20, you know, uh, 2019, 2020. Uh, he became, according to Coach Vogel, unplayable in, in, in this matchup, getting some DNP coaches' decisions, played only eight minutes last night. He has a specific skill set. And, I, you know, I'm not the coach. I'm not there every day. But the Coach Vogel and his staff and the Lakers decided that having Harrell on the floor did not give them the best chance to win in their view. I think his unique set of skills and his skill set and his aggressiveness and his rebounding ability and his physicality presents a lot of advantages in a lot of situations, but the Lakers said, okay, not in this. And then their big midseason acquisition was Andre Drummond, who it was a huge deal, you know, leaning first take and sports center, all this stuff was, uh, the Lakers get Drummond. Oh my God, this is unfair. Blah blah blah. The buyout market needs to change. Oh my God. Oh my God. DNP coach's decision. Most important game of the Lakers season. Just a complete overreaction by everyone. And if you watch basketball and you watch the way Drummond plays and his style of play, you could tell that it wasn't going to be a perfect fit. It wasn't going to be a perfect marriage. As Especially this year, where a midseason guy comes in, very, very, even more limited practice time and practice opportunities this year with the, all the COVID protocols in place than in a traditional year where there's already not a lot of practice time anyway in the heart of a regular season. You have him come in, and he comes in. Davis is battling injury in, in and out of the lineup. LeBron gets hurt. So Drummond never really got a chance to mesh with Davis and LeBron, which is obviously the most important thing for the Lakers. So moving forward, you got to think that those the, that the Lakers need to improve their roster. There are guys out there that they can go after because one, they're the Lakers, LA, marquee franchise. Guys will be interested in playing with them. LeBron and Davis are mega stars. You can guys will want to play with them. And they have a couple assets. Not a lot of assets, but they have a couple. And so it'll just be really, really interesting to see uh what what they can do and what they can swing. Cause look, it's with their current roster construction, it's very unlikely that they can just swing a trade for someone like Damian Lillard or a Bradley Beal with the way that their roster is currently set up. But there are free agents out there. You're going to hear a lot about Kyle Lowry. You're going to hear a lot about Duncan Robinson. You're going to hear a lot about maybe a guy like DeMar DeRozan. You're going to hear a lot about these types of guys 
who could come in and say, can they be the third guy? Or is this what they're missing? This type of skill set, because you, you, you see it, they, they need three point shooting guy like Duncan Robinson would help a lot. Guy like Kyle Lowry would help a lot. DeMar DeRozan won't help three point shooting, but he's from Los Angeles. It's like a, it's like a rule in the NBA. If, if you're a free agent and you're from Los Angeles, you get uh tag to like, Oh, maybe he wants to go to LA, but, the Lakers have a really interesting offseason ahead of them, but Phoenix, tip of the cap to you guys. You played awesome. Really looking forward to that series against Denver because last night was also Denver-Portland Game 6 in Portland. I was on the record saying Portland I thought was going to win because Denver can't win any series. It doesn't go seven games. Turns out that is not true. Denver can win can win, can win a series not in, not in seven games. They went in and they played, <laughs> they played really well. They, they came back. Jokic is just a monster. He put up 36 points tonight, 8 of 8 from the line, knocked down two threes, 13 for 22 from the field, super efficient, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. Look, it's very unlikely Denver is going to win the title without Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray, second-best player, all-star. His two-man game with Jokic is incredible. Monty Morris last night. Was in was awesome. He had twenty two points, three threes, nine assists. Maybe Jokic is so good that any that you could put anyone in to do a two man game and it'll be awesome. Maybe he's just that good that you can go from Jamal Murray to Monty Morris. You know, no disrespect to Monty Morris, he is awesome and he played great. He has a skill set that fits really, really well in in that type of two man game. He's not the same type of dynamic offensive player as Jamal Murray, obviously because he's not, you know, you know, a borderline all-star. Morris is a clear six-man type guy. But Portland couldn't stop that. In the fourth quarter, the, the pick and roll two-man game between Monty Morris and Nicole Jokic was unstoppable. And that's why Portland's out again. That's why Portland's out. Their defense once again failed them. Once again let them down. If your strategy is get keep it close in the fourth quarter so Damian Lillard can do awesome, incredible Damian Lillard things in the long run is not a viable strategy. Lillard can do incredible things like in game five where he had 55 points and 12 threes and step back three after spin move three. You know, he's game time for a reason. But on a night where he has one of those shooting nights in the fourth quarter and you only score 14 points in, in the fourth quarter, you're not going to win. That's that's the limit of this team. So Portland going forward, major changes are coming. They may make a coaching decision. They're going to have to make some change to the roster to find a way to get better defensively. I like Nurkic. I think he's a good player. Need to get better. Need to find a way to get an upgrade on him defensively. Covington's good. Guys off the bench don't really play a lot of defense. It's you know, if you're bringing Carmelo as as one of your first guys off the bench, He's coming in for scoring, for spacing, for offense. Carmel's not not a guy who, at, especially at this point in his career, also in <laughs> just finished year eighteen essentially in in the NBA. He's just not a guy at this point in his career. You're gonna say, all right, he's gonna be able to lock in and play awesome defense for 28 minutes a night. That's just that's just not his game at at this current point. So Portland, Stephen A. Smith reported this morning on first take that 
He thinks Carl Towns may be in play for, for Portland. That obviously would somehow include C.J. McCollum and a bunch of picks. I don't know how much that would help, but Portland's going to be in a lot of these rumors, a lot of these trade rumors for guys going there, them breaking up the team. They're going to be one of the biggest rumor-heavy teams this offseason. And Denver... <laughs> Denver is one of the most fun teams to watch in the NBA. Just the way that Jokic plays, the two-man game. Nothing about them makes sense. The way Jokic moves, the way he can pass, the way he shoots with so much arc, nothing makes sense. But when they play Phoenix in the next round, dial in, enjoy it, because it's just a really, really fun basketball-watching experience. Moving on to the game tonight. Now, this morning after the Lakers lost, we were at DEFCON, let's say two and a half for Los Angeles basketball as a whole, or, or maybe fully two, because that's how important the, the Lakers are in that town. The Clippers are on the verge of elimination. They're down three to two. Game six tonight in Dallas, nine o'clock Eastern time on ESPN. This may be the most important basketball game in Los Angeles Clippers franchise history. Let me repeat that. Perhaps the most important game in Clipper history. Let me ask yourself why. It's just a team that has never been truly relevant. I don't think they've ever made a conference final. They went all in two years ago with the Kawhi Leonard acquisition in free agency, the Paul George trade, where they gave up pretty much every asset they have, paying the tax, Going after free agents and trades like Marcus Morris, uh, Pat Beverly, Rajon Rondo, Nicholas Batum. Going after guys, Reggie Jackson, who can make a big difference for them and hopefully help them win the playoffs. Made a coaching change last year from Doc Rivers to Tyron Lue. And yet, if they lose this game and get eliminated in in the first round after a disappointing three-game-to-one blown lead in the bubble last year to Denver, it's just hard to believe that Steve Ballmer is going to sit around and, one, not do anything. Two, Kawhi Leonard has an opt-out, and he knows that his time is ticking as a superstar to win championships and, and the such, and that he may say this may not be the best place for me to win a championship. Paul George may not be the running mate I need. This team may be broken up if they lose this this game tonight. They may have a new coaching staff. They may have a new front office. Steve Ballmer, by just the way that he has conducted his team since he uh, formally bought the team, I think in 2014, 2015, in that range, he's not a guy who's, gonna, who's just going to sit back and say, well, this was a crazy year. You know, COVID, the protocols, everything. Well, this was just a crazy year. I, he's he's gonna make he's gonna make moves. He's gonna make decisions. And if they lose tonight, if if they lose tonight, this is gonna be a fundament. I believe a fundamentally different Clipper team than than next season. Uh, and it's gonna be really interesting. Now on the court. Game five was by far the most interesting game of the series because you had the first two games where Luka was just dominant, 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 dominant. The surrounding guys on Dallas, like Tim Hardaway, Finney Smith, Brunson, those guys, Kleba, 
shooting threes a little over their their average. So they shot the ball really, really well. They were able to steal those two games in Los Angeles. Clippers come back, game three and four. After taking the punch from games one and two, say, you know what? Those guys, they're going to cool off a little bit shooting-wise, and they can't guard us. We, we're, we're pretty much getting everything that, that we want, Kawhi, Paul George especially. We can pretty much get any shot that we want. So they started driving them in game three and four, getting layups. Rajon Rondo was brilliant at it, just getting a mismatch. Boom, right to left cross, inside finish, left to right cross, inside finish. Those types of moves, they said, we can pretty much get whatever shot we want. It's just on us to make it and keep getting good shots and not settling. Obviously, the Dallas shot the ball very, very poorly in game four. Luka wasn't 100% right. But in game five, the, the Dallas said, we're going to change defensively. We're getting roasted. We're not going to keep trying the same thing and think that we're going to get a different result. We're going to make them adjust to us. We're going to start Boban and Porzingis and just go crazy big. We're just going to go crazy, crazy big and play this play this zone. Now, if they do that again, if they stay big, and I'm a fan of staying big. One, because I think it forces the Clippers to have to play Zubac, which even though I like Zubac and think he's very good, it's a it's another guy who has to guard pick and roll. That's a clear advantage for Doncic because either Doncic gets a switch onto Zubac, which is an advantage for him, or then someone smaller has to guard Boban or Porzingis on the interior, which is a huge size mismatch, mismatch for Dallas as well. But with the big lineup, they don't have a lot of rim protection, even though that they're super big. And I talked about this yesterday on, on the podcast, seven foot four, seven foot three, tough to make shots over. They're not great shot blockers. So what do you do to, to guys with size, whether it's shot blockers or not? You drive at them and say, block every single shot that I take. And I'm just going to go right at you, right at you, right at you. And the Clippers settled for a lot of threes. You know, it's a make or miss league. The Clippers shot had the best three-point shooting percentage in the NBA last year. I think the first team in NBA history to have a team that shot over 40% from three on the year or, had the, or, or they had the most guys on the team who had individual shooting percentage over 40%. They they can they, they can shoot the long ball. But the more that they drive and the more that they kick and the more that they drive for layups and kick out and make this zone move, they didn't really force the defense to move that much in game 5. The more that they can make this defense move with as big as they are and you know they're big and have long arms and may get some deflections the more they can make a move the better looks I think they can get and now that's all on their guys it's a dribble happy team that Los Angeles has Paul George really likes to dribble Kawhi really likes to dribble in terms of their creators they don't have a lot of guys who can really drive and truly create for other people except Rondo so that's why I think tonight Rondo if I was coaching Clippers, I would start Rondo and let him be the point guard and dictate everything and really attack this zone defense uh, if I'm expecting Dallas to start big again. Because also on the flip side, on the defensive side, Rondo, weirdly enough, is the only person who I've seen in this series to give Doncic really any bit of trouble, really any semblance of an issue. Any semblance of pause in terms of what he wants to do. And so I would start Rondo on on Doncic. 
and just and just go from there because obviously you're going to give different looks and have different guys guard him but but start that so that you don't get one of these performances from Doncic where he starts and hits gets eight points in the first six minutes of the first quarter like he's done on the two or three times in in this series as well so I'm just pumped for that game see the adjustments back and forth because I think Dallas had success going big they're going to try it again and Los Angeles just the way that they can shoot they're never out of any game and they're you know the the three ball just keeps teams in it and when you shoot it as well as the Clippers do they're they're always in it and and I love watching playoff Rondo he's he's one of the most fun things in the NBA and going head to head with with Luka you know sign me up for that so I'm pumped for that 9 p.m. Eastern Time ESPN so that'll do it for this episode of the Double Double if you like this podcast you can find us on iTunes Spotify or wherever your podcast where you can subscribe rate and review five stars would be much much appreciated you can also follow us on Twitter at DBL underscore DBL podcast we'll be back hopefully tomorrow so take care And make it a great day.